Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, uh, good morning to you. Uh, just uh, a bit of a sombre morning. Uh, Independence Day in America and yet another shooting of uh, innocent people just uh, taking part in an Independence Day parade. And uh, it's... Uh, Sort of uh, brings you back to earth, doesn't it, when you uh, you look at this sort of stuff. But however, uh, we shall plough on with uh, some sport this morning and some good sport too. We're going to deal with uh, the Irish uh, side of things. We're going to speak to Gary Doyle very shortly. Now, he's a sports reporter for The 42. I'm going to find out exactly about, a little bit more about The 42 uh, and uh, his reaction and their reaction, of course, to uh, Ireland's uh, beating uh, last weekend at Eden Park. Uh, we'll also, uh, just after uh, 930 uh, ask for your calls, and uh, you can uh, still react to that, of course. Um, the uh, other thing uh, we can uh, perhaps talk about is our um, Mount Rushmore subject for the day, which is uh, on the back of Nick Kyrgios, um, villains in sport, really. Sporting villains, people who have been <coughs> probably recognised more for their antics or what they've done uh, in and around the game or outside the game more so uh, than perhaps what they've done on the field of play. So uh, we'll look forward to uh, those uh, for you, you can come in on 8833 or you can tell us on 0800 150811 uh, and we'll have a chemist warehouse voucher for 50 bucks uh, for grabs. Incidentally, Joe from Gizzy uh, won it yesterday. We have a multi just before 10 o'clock. Then after 10 o'clock, we'll speak to Justin Nelson. Of course, uh, Justin is uh, an NZ NBL and uh, now Tohihi commentator uh, on the basis of uh, this new Women's Professional Basketball League in New Zealand. Uh, it's about a week into it. Let's uh, uh, take a, a quick review on how it's going so far. Our panel this morning, uh, well, we've got an old friend joining the show, John Day on the panel, and uh, Ollie Ritchie. Uh, subjects uh, will include, of course, uh, All Black Changes, perhaps maybe the Christchurch Stadium, those submissions, as you heard from Araha, they closed tonight. So uh, what is going to come up out of that? Uh, just after uh, 11 o'clock, we're going to speak to Warriors hooker Wade Egan. Of course, um, Wade, after playing 50 games in Australia, all in Australia, all of a sudden finds himself at home uh, in New Zealand as such. Does he feel like it's home? Stumped uh, Smithy uh, this morning at 11.30. You want to be in on this. 150 bucks up for grabs. 150 bucks. And, uh, of course, we'll have our Mount Rushmore about 11.43. So plenty of content, and we'll keep you updated on things happening around the world of sport as they happen as well. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I well remember back in 1980, I'd just uh, been picked for the New Zealand cricket team for the first time. I was at a function in Manawatu, and I, I met the legendary JJ Stewart for the first time. He gave me a piece of advice. He said, son... Whatever you do, don't read another newspaper until you've finished. He was uh, alluding to the fact that opinions don't matter, performance does. You'll know when you do well. You'll know yourself when you don't. You won't need anyone to convince you either way. 
And that, of course, was before talkback radio, before social media. I was a mere cricketer playing in a really good era. There wasn't a hell of a lot of negative stuff floating around, to be fair. I listened to Mr Stewart, but I didn't take heed. I fell headlong into the trap. I liked reading good things. I feared the bad stuff, but I read it anyway, and I took it on board. And so I wonder the attitude of the modern-day sportsman to the press, to the caller, to the text, to the Twitter or Facebook troll. You have to find a pretty deep hole in a faraway place to avoid it if you're an all-black or an all-black coach. It seems for Sam Kane and Ian Foster, they can do very little right. Win it's never by enough or in the right manner. Stay away because you're crook or you're injured and we didn't need you anyway. It's boringly monotonous from some quarters, like a vendetta at times, and it's personal. Speak to them and they'll probably outwardly laugh it off. Probably say it just comes with the turf. Truth is, they'd probably get less bad crap heaped on them if they were the leaders of the mongrel mob or the killer bees. Not for one second saying that they're not above criticism. No way, not by any stretch of the imagination. But they're not below due recognition when it's due either. Saturday night was a pretty good night, wasn't it? But for some, you would never ever think so. Nine oh seven here on SENZ, and very pleased to welcome to the show uh, Gary Doyle. Gary uh, is on tour with uh, the Irish rugby team. He's part of the Forty Two. Uh, Gary, and uh, you're looking back and reviewing a, an Irish performance, which, from your point of view, I guess, wasn't up to standard. And looking forward to uh, some kind of retribution this time round in Dunedin. And Gary, first of all, thank you very much uh, for joining the show. Welcome uh, to New Zealand, a belated welcome. Tell us about the 42. Tell us about the concept of, of this uh, interesting aspect of how you cover the game. Yeah, so thanks for having us on, and it's just I have to say, um, you may not be as aware of how fascinated Irish people and particularly Irish rugby people are with New Zealand and with New Zealand rugby. Um, Like the last six years, the fact that we've finally managed to get a win over the All Blacks in that time frame is just such an area of pride uh, in Irish sport because, you know, in the 1990s, with a fairly, fairly rough time of it, uh, we played between France, Scotland, the All Blacks, the Springboks and Australia, we played about 37 tests, lost all 36, sorry, lost 36 through one of those tests. So the fact that we've got a competitive team now is a big, big thing. And the fact that we're able to go to New Zealand and be treated with the kind of respect that we receive these days, again, is a massive, massive thing. So sorry, I have, I have di- diverted away from your original question there, Ian, but mm. just want to get that in there just to give a bit of context. Yeah. The 42 is a, is a sports website. It's been going about 10 years or so. Um, the art of newspapers, newspaper sales has sort of died down in the last in the last 15 years or so in Ireland and the alarming rate. Like I'm a newspaper guy originally uh, and have been until the last two or three years. But uh, what we've noticed in the 42 is that people have a real passion for sport in Ireland. And what's been really fascinating is uh, we see the numbers in each article and the most popular sports uh, in terms of viewership is rugby, even though traditionally mm-hmm. rugby ranked fourth in terms of popular appeal in Ireland. So as a sport, it has grown enormously in the last couple of decades. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And great. And great for rugby, I might add. Uh, Gary, uh, when you walked away from Eden Park, what, what was your gut feel on that Irish performance? 
I'm still trying to make my mind up about it, Ian, because, yes, the scoreline was emphatic. The, there were a number of factors that really struck me in the face. Number one, the All Blacks' ruthlessness. When they see a chance, they take a chance. I don't think there's any other team in the world that is anywhere near as good at, as them at doing that. France are getting better, but to put it in context, Ian, in the Six Nations, Ireland conceded four tries. Between the 20th and 40th minutes of Saturday's test, Ireland conceded four tries. In the end, they conceded six. So, credit to the All Blacks. Um, I know you're used to winning. I know your success rate, not just at Eden Park, but across a century of, of good work, is phenomenal. In this country, am I right in thinking that only five teams have ever beaten you here? The, the Lions, Probably, British yeah. Lions, yep. Springboks, yeah. Australia. So, you know... In that context, England as well, and and uh, in that context, Ireland coming here, who said we had a right to win? I know we had won three of the last five games, but one of those matches was in Chicago, and most of the support there was Irish. Two of the games were in Dublin. Really raucous atmosphere for those games. So when that happens, you tend to get... You tend to get more decisions than you normally would away from home. Um, but the big factor for me, last November when Ireland defeated New Zealand 29-20, everybody on the Irish team were getting 9 out of 10 marks in. On Saturday, nobody was getting a 9 out of 10. And that was the difference. I think for Ireland to beat the All Blacks, everything has to go right. And on Saturday, so many things went wrong. One of the things that surprisingly went wrong from our, our point of view is uh, is the upfront, the scrum aspect of it. Now, uh, I understand uh, from the comments he made to me anyway straight after the game, Andy, Farrell, Andy Farrell was far from happy with the way the scrum was officiated and for that matter the breakdown as well. But those were areas that we thought we would be under pressure that um, I think we clearly won. Uh, you're completely right there. Um, if we take the scrum first, there's, there's a couple of things here. Cian Healy has been, he's Ireland's most capped uh, prop. Cian is coming towards the end now. He's not the player that he used to be. He picked up the ankle injury in the Murray All Blacks game. So he, Andrew Porter had to go the full 80 minutes. So that's one issue. The second issue is that Porter started life as a loose head, moved five years ago to be a tight head, and has moved back to be a loosey this year. So that's that, he's had a lot to go on with. Factor number three, Ronan Kelleher is the normally the starting hooker and is a ph phenomenal scrummager. Like when you get the over the overhead images of of a scrum, you just see Kelleher's shoulders moving and working and getting in position. Look, I don't have a PhD in the uh, in front in the in the dark arts of the front row, but from the coaches and the the former hookers and props that I've spoken to, their regard for Kelleher is huge. So, like, Sheehan was probably Irish, Ireland's best player in Saturday, Ian, but he was mm. missing. Uh, and what, what you're also missing when, or sorry, he, but sorry, but Kelleher was missing. But what you're really lacking is the fact that you can start Kelleher and then bring Sheehan off the bench. And you can start Porter and bring Healy off the bench if he doesn't have an ankle injury. And then you've got the, the final factor, which is Tag Furlong, who has been probably Ireland's best player over the last six years. He's been nig he's had niggly injuries in since February. Mm. And when you add all those together and you're coming up against a world-class team, and I know you say you may have had worries or doubts about the All Blacks front row, it's still the All Blacks. And, you know, I, I can't emphasise enough how much respect stroke fear 
Irish rugby people have for your team? Okay, let's uh, look at one, one of the uh, articles I read. You wrote um, you wrote an article suggesting perhaps that the cavalry reinforcements are coming. Are they going to be enough? Are they going to be here in time um, for Dunedin as such? And and what about the prospects of uh, Johnny Sexton for Dunedin? We will find out about Sexton sometime today. I think if he passes HIA 3, in, he will be starting. He will be playing. Mm. Uh, he's a very dogmatic individual. He's he he is driven to get Ireland to a World Cup final. Ireland are the only Tier One nation, with the exception of Italy, that have never been to a World Cup semi final. Sexton has achieved everything in the game, bar a big World Cup. In fact, you could say the same about Irish rugby. Um, so mm. he will want to play. He sees this. He's the captain of the team. This. One of the intriguing things about this Irish team, Ian, there's so many really quiet, stroke shy individuals in it. Um, so, therefore, there aren't that many natural leaders. So, take the likes of Robbie Henshaw, really good player, good operator, achieved almost everything in the game, twice a British and Irish land, but a naturally shy person. And you can't, you can't convert people from shyness into, you know, brush and loud. They either are or they aren't. So you kind of need Sexton on the pitch in that regard and we possibly need Conor Murray on the pitch in that regard as well. Peter O'Mahony started last um, last Saturday and it was the first time he had started in quite a while. Normally they start Jack Conan and play Keelan Doris at six, but you need O'Mahony there because he's a natural leader. Remember Ian Henderson, the Ulster captain, he had to go home with an injury. So for, in that respect, I think we'll, go, we'll see Sexton start if he is available. And in terms of the cavalry that are coming through, they'll just support the team and maybe make the bench and be there for the Murray All Blacks game. I don't think they're going to change the course of this uh, tour. Gary, in essence, um, if you look back on the, the 80 minutes of rugby that, that was played, uh, Ireland owned the first uh, 10 to 15 perhaps, lost heavily the, the 20 before prior to half time, but uh, could have been heartened by uh, the second half performance, the way they talked about it in half time and came back out after half time. So, I mean, the, the gap that seems to be there, if you look at the scoreboard, perhaps is not there uh, in all essence. Yes and no. Um, that the, they have a really good habit in of coming out after half time. Like when they played against uh, the French in Paris, they were getting a bit of a beating in the first half. And the first ten minutes of the second half, they scored two converted tries. Again, they got the first try uh, on Saturday after a, a chasing experience in the second quarter. What does that tell you? It tells you they've got spirit. They've got a never give-in attitude, which is admirable. The match finished with them camped on the All Blacks line. I think they lacked basically a bit of class to get across it, a bit more invention. I think there was an issue in attack. If you look back on Saturday, there were a few occasions when the bounce just didn't go Ireland's way. Um, now, look, the second try, the Reese intercept, that came when James Lowe slipped. It uh, came when... Sexton took his blow to the head, so he wasn't around to orchestrate things in the opposition 22. You look at the try, Seve's first that took a wicked bounce. He had two Irish players back covering James Lowe and Keith Earls, but it bounced away to them into the hands of Seve. There was a chip through from Sexton and the further it's go, Ringrose's head. You add all those things together, and it's a different scoreline. 
but I say that with a huge caveat. I mean, that's life. That's rugby. That's you know, that's mm. what Turin brings to you. Brings challenges. And when the ball did bounce into Reese's hands, he had the wherewithal and the speed to get uh, to the under the sticks. So I mean, that's that's not luck. That's skill. That's brilliance. I think what we saw on Saturday was all black brilliance, and I don't think they've got enough credit for what they did i think ireland are a pretty good team they're not as good as the all blacks i think they're in the next tier below the all blacks france and the Springboks. um but we just saw new zealand rugby at its attacking best on saturday and i think you should be fairly chuffed with what you just did well one of the other things gary i mean and you know uh, you've probably been around rugby circles for a long time here we find ourselves uh, in a five game tour uh, a lot of people would say in the past, 40 players is ample. Surely you can get through five games with 40 players. Uh, I used to go back in tours in the old days where they played 20 games and they wouldn't have 40 players. They just uh, they were different mm. back then. Have you had enough? Have you, ha- have, have you had enough cover for bearing in mind that the two games uh, that you're playing outside the All Blacks, of course, are like test matches anyway against the Murray All Blacks? Yep. No, we haven't had enough cover, evidently. <laughs> um when you look at it, I think the Springboks have 43 players in camp for a home test series against Wales. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, the All Blacks have 36. And we came here with 40. Um, we've already had to fly out uh, a fourth hooker, Niall Scannell. Uh, there was a bordering on farce by the time that Michael Bent got the call on Saturday. Uh, the fifth choice, loose head, because of the issues with Lockman's uh, head injury and uh, the fact that Finley Beelham got COVID, um, and also we had flown Ed Burnout, but he his his airline, uh, you know, his flight got delayed in Qatar, so he wasn't able to get in into the country in time. So no, they should have brought, uh, you know, just four four hookers, four loose heads, four tight heads, four scrum halves, four out halves. That's Maybe they might have got away with three out house because Kieran Frawley uh, is a twelve who can play ten. Um, so no, I think they, I think they got it wrong in the numbers. But I think the reason they did that Ian was because of the World Cup. You mm. only bring thirty three, and they wanted to test themselves. Yep. They wanted this to be the reference point that they could look back in a year's time and say, "Listen, you've dealt with bigger challenges. You can deal with this one." I think that's what their thinking was. Okay, um, right. Dunedin this weekend, uh, Gary. Of course. Um, Really a, a, a nice little rugby haven again from New Zealand, but a crowd half the size, and you know the conditions are going to be perfect. It's under the roof, uh, which suggests the All Blacks might just change gear and try and go up again in those conditions. Uh, I, I guess it's a case now of uh, avoiding those uh, areas of uh, where you missed out last time where attack became very quick defence and the transitioning wasn't perhaps quick enough. So those, I think, uh, are obvious issues staring Ireland in the face. Are they up for it, do you feel? Definitely up for it. The spirit in the camp has been remarkable in spite of what happened in, on Saturday and what happened uh, against the Murray All Blacks in Hamilton. They, they're really... The one thing that Andy Farrell gets right... Sorry, he gets several things right, but the one thing he is exceptionally good at is judging the mood of a camp, getting the atmosphere right, getting the balance right between uh, serious preparation, but also a bit of R&R, a bit of down, downtime. So the mood is really good. Like you see them around town, they're, they're walking freely around, they're, they're not being uh, camped, or sorry, uh, interned in a camp. There is a, there's a really, really good spurt. My fear 
is what will happen in week three if you lose a game on Saturday. And you know, it's it's this has this has the look of a five nil uh, tour about it. I mean, they are up against really good opposition. They don't have a, a gimme where they can get a, a morale boost and win. No match is easy, and they're playing they're playing teams who. I don't think get as much credit down here as they should. For just from reading different different aspects, um, I'll tell you what: if you were, if we had Irish teams that produced the the type of the type of rugby you guys produced uh, on Saturday, we'd be we'd be writing plays about it and, uh, and writing books about it because you've got some you've got some serious footballers there. Gary Doyle, uh, love the 42, love the concept of it, and uh, love the fact that rugby is getting such a healthy following uh, in Ireland. This team certainly uh, deserves it. Thanks so much for your time. Enjoy Dunedin uh, and Wellington as you carry on around New Zealand. Um, uh, let's hope, uh, from your point of view, uh, you've got something to write and talk about uh, a little bit more positively next uh, Sunday morning. Thanks for your time, mate. Enjoy. Ian, it's been a pleasure not just being on the show, but it's been brilliant being here. It's been, it's been a great tour so far from our perspective. Good on you, Gary. Uh, thank you. Catch up soon. Uh, Gary Doyle there, folks, from The 42. Look it up. Uh, it's a very interesting concept um, where it's a podcast as well as various articles as well. And uh, what you'll get there is some very strong opinion on Irish rugby. And uh, uh, whilst Gary uh, puts us up on a pedestal, they aren't that far behind Ireland. Don't you worry about that. And they might just show that this Saturday. 9.23 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, our Mount Rushmore today, uh, you can come in on double eight double three. You might even want to call us on 0800 The subject is sporting villains. It's on the back of Nick Kyrgios, really, uh, and he's a flea, really, uh, when it comes to, the, if you think deeply, he is a flea compared to some of them uh, around the world, what, what they've uh, managed to do uh, in their own personal lives, away from the game, or perhaps even uh, around the game, or what they'll be remembered for as uh, as athletes over the years, just you don't have to think too much about it. I mean, we've had a couple coming on already. Um, someone's come in and said uh, it's just like uh, a sort of a benefit for the baggy green, isn't it? In other words, he can find four Australian cricketers without any trouble at all. Says Sean uh, to meet that list of villains uh, around the game or away from the game, as opposed to. Uh, you know, they started off life as, uh, as high-profile sportsmen, but your opinion of them has been clouded by what they've done uh, outside the game or what uh, they haven't uh, really managed to do in terms of standards within the game. So that, that's our subject today. And also, uh, we'll be having calls very shortly on 0800 You've got a chemist warehouse voucher for $50 up for grabs. Stick or twist uh, was a headline I saw this morning. Quite a good one. Stick or twist. What do we do with the All Blacks? Uh, bearing in mind if uh, everyone's fit and available and Scott Barrett was not cited, so he will be. What do we do with the All Blacks side? We've uh, had a history of resting and rotating and experimenting. Uh, what should Ian Foster, Grant Fox do with their lineup for Test Match Number 2 in Dunedin? Your calls will be appreciated 0800 150 811. In the meantime, here's Araha with our 9.30 update. Today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Stick or twist, stick or twist. What does Ian Foster, what does uh, Grant Fox, uh, what do they do in terms of their side for this uh, weekend on the back of that pretty impressive performance at Eden Park? That may be something you want to talk about. You might want to talk about uh, other issues as well. Brendan McCullum's England on the verge of yet another successful 
run chase and this one is a beauty entering the fourth day of that uh, test match overnight uh, they were massive underdogs and now if you look at the betting they're massive favorites what is happening to english cricket uh, it's just an amazing transformation uh, there's some golf on the agenda too. Um, vitriol towards Graham McDowell. Is he surprised? Yes, he is surprised. Uh, I'm not that surprised, to be honest. Uh, Neville from Dunedin, a great golf man. Neville, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Anne. Yes, there's a lot happening in the golf world. Um, it's just not stopping, actually. Um, the latest one that's um, now looks like Henrik Stenson is very close to... Um, signing up and that would be huge because of course he's the Ryder Cup captain um, yeah I don't know that. and and also um, the other one who's um, what's his name Paul uh, Casey so you know all this money that the PGA Tour is throwing around hasn't made any difference um, I just know they, they've got to sit down uh, and talk and try and you know, come to some kind of um, arrangement where they can fit the jolly thing in and, um, you know, utilise the money that the Saudis are throwing around in a different way instead of treating it like a war, which is what the PGA Tour have done. Um, and it doesn't seem to be working. I look at uh, those groups, that, that that group of players you're mentioning there, Neville, and there's quite a few all of a sudden from um, from Europe or for England. Now, if you look at the bracket that includes McDowell, um, and if you're going to throw Stenson in there as well, you throw Casey in there, that's on top of Poulter and top of Westwood. Now, they're five guys pretty much out of the same era of European golf. Uh, all of a sudden, probably one of the strongest aspects of the breakaway group. Yeah, that's true. Um, and there's one or two others. Uh, is it Weisberger? But there's so many of them that would be in the Ryder Cup thing that um, kind of make it a bit of a, I don't know. There's a lot of emotion involved. Um, but I was just reading too um, about the um, reaction of some of these guys who are in there, like Pat Perez. He, he said he feels like he's won the lottery. Uh, and so do the um, caddies and that because Live Golf are paying uh, four airfares for these um, pros to go to every tournament. Um, they get a luxury one, they get a, uh, what do you call it, premier one, and they get two um, ordinary airfares. And then when they get there, they get um, luxury hotel rooms and the caddies are all in with it they have their travel paid they have their accommodation paid so it's no wonder these guys are um, making the move especially if they're not in the top bracket um i mean there's a chance for us to make the money for our family and and have a, a much more relaxed um program but, uh, yeah I, I, it I is think, it's um, it's, it's it's a case of how you want to be judged, Neville, um, when your time is up. And unfortunately for a lot of these guys uh, that are going across, they're not major winners, so they'll never be major winners by the sound of it. If they continue to be uh, part of this rebel group, uh, they'll be ostracised. And, and as you say, unless they sit down uh, and, and nut their way through it and find windows for everybody, um, like they did, had to do in cricket, uh, that, that's going to be re- remain very, very ugly, Neville. Thank you very much for your call. And, and in the end... 
The biggest winners of the lot are the caddies. They're still doing the same job. In fact, they're doing a lesser job. They only had to carry the bag for three rounds. And uh, they aren't the ones making the headlines. The other guys getting the big fat commission checks, though, as well. Be nice to talk to a caddy about it, wouldn't it? Uh, Bruce from Christchurch. Good morning to you, Bruce. Uh, what's on your mind this morning? Good morning, Ian. Ian. Um, look, I, I'm throwing a bit of a curveball out here. <coughs> Just pull over here. I don't really apologise for what I'm about to say, and I know it'll upset a few people. In the last four or five weeks, I've taken my good lady out to a few establishments through the country and happened to always be on a Sunday afternoon. And every time I've walked into a, a raging noise, and it's basically I worked it out, it was people watching and getting excited uh, about UFC. For the life of me, um, I've grown up to be uh, a non-violent person, and I simply don't understand society how they can um, watch that brutal... Uh, they call it sport, where people are basically legally doing king hits or uh, <clears throat> incurring head traumas where it's allowed. And I know there hasn't been any deaths since the cage fighting and so on, apparently. It's been broken legs. Conor McGregor, I believe, one and Wayman broke his leg. But um, in other sports like rugby and football, if you, if you did anything light hitting someone, you are pulled up straight away and you're put in front of a judiciary and you're fined and <clears throat> given severe punishment. So uh, I simply think it's the most crude, ironic uh, sport in the, in the world and I can't, I just don't understand why society is into it so big. And I understand red-blooded males want a little steam, but I'm... I, that's my opinion, and I just want to throw it out there how other people feel. I believe it's mostly the male uh, young men that like it. Uh, very few ladies in these establishments were there watching. So what's your opinion, Ian? I, I would like to know. Okay, Bruce, uh, I'll tell you. Um, there are obviously are, you know, the women fight as well, and uh, there's a, a lot of it uh, from a female point of view. Um, if you look at the big, vast crowds that attend these things, and that's the thing that gets me, uh, they're sellouts, and they want, they want stadiums more so bigger. They want Eden Park-type stadiums. They want 50,000 in there. So a lot of people like it, Bruce. Um, I can, ex- can sympathise with you as well. I remember when it, one of the very first televised fights... Uh, uh, came on, I went to my local on a Sunday afternoon, they bought it and uh, all of a sudden a whole lot of strangers turned up at the bar um, and uh, people that, you know, were not there were not there to have a drink really they were not there to uh, enjoy any sort of normal pub atmosphere, they were there to watch fighting, it's as simple as that and it got feral, it got really feral and the reason why was because their favourite got done, he got beaten up badly um, and, and for that reason, uh, I think it was a McGregor fight and there was a lot of uh, McGregor fans in there. They loved McGregor because of who he was and he got a hiding. And they didn't like it and it got, I wouldn't say it got nasty, but it, it got slightly ugly and it was not a typical pub atmosphere. I get where you're coming from, Bruce, um, and I've seen it in person. Didn't like it. Absolutely didn't like it. And the publican did a review on that actually and thought, well, actually, what did I make out of it? Because they don't drink, they're all fitness freaks, they drink uh, iced water or they don't drink at all, they're just there to watch the fright for nothing, contribute nothing to the pub uh, at, at, uh, at all. So 
Uh, that was his aspect on it. I don't know if things have changed by now. Um, certainly there's certain pubs that will not, not have it um, because they believe there's an appetite for it. It's an interesting one, Bruce. Uh, I've got to say, I lean towards your side of it. I, I can't understand how people uh, can see people get kneed or kicked in the head and think that that's ever, ever a good thing. That's just me. Okay, right, uh, Tim from Christchurch got that off my chest, and I'll probably get a lot of reaction to that. But, uh, Tim, uh, good morning to you. Uh, you're uh, more on the rugby theme, on the stick and twist theme. What would you do? Well, mate, I was <laughs> until Bruce rang up. But, um, like... I think if I, I just want to quickly address that, like I think you find that if you go to any Emmy major, it's full of people that have been beaten up or picked on while they're kids, and and they've found something that gives them a bit of confidence in themselves. And and ninety percent of the time, these people that are in those gyms and training in in those martial arts and that are not the people that'll be out there fighting. Those, those king hits are done by cowards and and not by people who are trained. Yes, there's the odd bad person and what have you. But to address what you man said about head trauma and things like that, statistically, you look at rugby versus MMA or anything like that, like if you get knocked out in an MMA fight, you're not allowed to train for three months. For three months, not like 10 days or whatever they do to stand down in, in, rug, in rugby. Um, it's, it's actually a statistically very, very safe sport. And it's populated by people who have done different martial arts and they want to test themselves against other people to see where they're at. And they'd want to test their skills. So no one, it's you know, how could anyone argue that it's any worse than boxing's ever been, and any worse than rugby? Like rugby, you've got two grown men running as fast as they can at each other, trying, trying to break each other in half. So it's you know, it's no more violent than that. that that's okay. Um, yeah, nice to have two differing opinions on it too. Um, Tim, uh, and t- I know you, you wanted to um, make a point about the rugby too, so um, on the back of that, I'd love to hear that point. Yeah, so with the, um, with the All Blacks, I, I just feel like we're so close to the World Cup now, I don't think we can afford to be rotating too much. I think we need to build those combinations. And, you know, up until the, uh, the Super Final where, um, you know, obviously Auckland got exposed, I was actually a big fan of putting two of us a sheik in there with and have that pretty much all Auckland backline just because of the combination that they had going into a test match series against Ireland who are very, very strong and, and, and obviously we all thought that they were going to give us a bigger test than they did the other night but things didn't go their way so I just feel like they've got to stick with what they've got and what they've put up there as much as they can. I feel like the uh, the back three is pretty much interchangeable with Seba Reese, Will Jordan, um, Geordie Barrett Lester Whainuku, um, Caleb Clark, you could you could muck, muck around with that combination quite a bit because they're pretty pretty much um, you know interchangeable. But for the rest of those positions across the park, we need those combinations. And if they're going to use Scott Barrett at number six, then give them a good run of it, you know. Yeah. I, I, how, how about uh, Bowden Barrett? Were you happy with uh, how he got how he went? Oh, I mean, being a being a Canterbury supporter, I I, I rate. Uh, Richie Moanga, I think he controls the game better. I think his his uh, in play kicking is is far superior to to Bodie Barrett. Um, but um, you know, Bodie had the vision to get that little chip through the other night. We were, we were standing right on that goal line, and you could just see there was acres of space there, and we were screaming for it. And he was he had the vision to see that. So um, I think he's definitely been uh, in better form than than Richie. So again, give him a good run at it. Uh, let him get his confidence up. 
let them get those combinations going and and if you're going to back him, then back him to the World Cup and, and don't muck around with it. We know we've got Richie there, who's a great number two, but they just got to stick by their players and stop swapping them around so much. I think that's what our, our downfall was last year, is that they just kept mucking around with all the different combinations and that we never had the same team run out in the park twice in a row, you know? Yeah. Good points, Tim. Appreciate them on both those subjects, actually. And thanks very much for your call. And don't be a stranger. Call any time. Uh, thank you very much. It's 9.45 here on SENZ. Uh, we should take a short break. And we might have time for uh, another call after that break uh, before we have a, uh, a multi before 10 o'clock. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, 9.51 here on SENZ. We've got uh, a couple of minute window and uh, that's all we've got to this morning for you, Dino. Um, but I imagine you're uh, going to cram a couple of good opinions into that small space. Uh, good morning to you again. Yeah, buddy. Hey, uh, for me, I'd just like to see Forrester stick with the starting 15. Will Jordan's good enough to play fullback because he can't kick goals. You all know that. And Bodie doesn't want to practice it. Just Put him in the reserves. Don't put him on the right wing when we've got Seve Reese, Caleb Clark, Lester Nuku. We've got brilliant wingers there. The kid is a fullback. He wants to play fullback. Just put him in the reserves. And then change Bodie. And Mawanga comes on. Will comes on. And we go again with a goal kicker and a fullback. Leave wingers to be wingers. Fullbacks to be fullbacks. And for God's sake, leave that fullback the same. That last caller was bang on the money. Rotation. We've harped on about it. It's a cycle on the washing machine. Nothing else. Let's just let's just play rugby from now on and beat every bugger. The cattle's here. We got on really well, and I don't like to say it, we didn't have a coach. So let the players just do what they got to do. Sam Kane, heads off to him, mate. I didn't think he had it. And um, you got to you got to give credit where credit's due. You don't have to see them, but when you're in there and we got the ball and we're winning, that's all we want. We just want to win, 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 win. I don't, even an ugly win's a good one. And if they do happen to lose, it's only two big bottles and it feels like a win anyway. So just get in behind them. <laughs> Can't wait. Friday off, I'm playing golf. Good on you, mate. I mean, um, I think you're going to have a hell of... You've been waiting for this. This has been on your calendar this week for a long, long time. So, Dino, of all the people down there in Dunedin, I certainly hope that you enjoy it the most. And uh, the atmosphere uh, down there at the law courts is uh, everything that uh, you want it to be, mate. Thanks very much for your call. I think you're right. Uh, I think there'll be very, very little change uh, when we come to it. Uh, it's 9.53, a multi when we return, and then at 10 o'clock. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. It is uh, 9.58 here on SENZ. Uh, yesterday uh, we were going really well until... Uh, uh, Elise Cornet dropped uh, her match to uh, Aya Tomlinovich in the uh, quarterfinals uh, of the women's Wimbledon, so missed out there. Uh, Cameron Norrie today to beat uh, David, Giff, uh, David Goffin. That's about 9 o'clock tonight, actually, in fact. Uh, Angebeer, who's the highest seed left in the women's side of it, to beat uh, Marie Bushkova at $1.26. And the money one today is a baseball one, Chicago White Sox, to beat the Minnesota Twins at $1.80. 
Uh, not a big one today, just a re- $3.20 return, but it's better than the poke in the eye with the blunt stick, isn't it, if we get it up? So uh, that uh, is what we're looking at there, $3.20. Uh, and our Mount Rushmore today, pretty quiet so far today. So someone's coming with uh, Dennis Rodman. We want four, four villains in sport. You must know four villains in sport, double eight, double three. Think about it. Think about some of them, the people who have done some horrendous things off the, off the court, off the field of play. Um, and, of course, um, they've, well, they'll go down remembered, actually. Possible greats in their sport will go down remembered for what they've done away from the game or around the game to bring it into disrepute. There's a number of candidates there when you think about it. Uh, Logan and I have got four each. Uh, we've got seven out of eight, which are different, only one in common. That's how easy it is to find them. It is coming up to 10 o'clock. We've got basketball and Justin Nelson after the 10 o'clock news. Behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, New Zealand's basketball calendar just keeps getting busier and busier. Last week saw the launch of the new GJ Gardner Tauihi Basketball Aotearoa League where female players get paid the same as the men in the NZNBL who have wrapped up round 10 with the finals uh, in their particular competition. Uh, the finals just around the corner, actually. On top of that, the Tall Blacks walloped the Philippines 106-60 to 60 last week. New Zealand's three-on-three three national teams are competing in the FIBA three-on-three three Asia Cup in Singapore this week. Uh, there's all sorts of trades going on in the NBA, purchases, etc., drafts. It's just basketball wall-to-wall, which pleases greatly. Uh, basketball commentator and former NBL general manager Justin Nelson who joins us now. Justin, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Smithy. I think you wrapped that up pretty well, mate. There's a lot going on, isn't there? There's a huge amount going on, Justin. And uh, let's start with uh, Tauihi, shall we? Uh, because uh, Tauihi means to soar. And on the evidence of what you've seen in the f- first four or five uh, days and nights of this new women's competition, how are you feeling? Yeah, it's terrific, mate. It's uh, It's been really good. I was out at a game last night and had the chance to sit courtside uh, without the microphone in front of me. And, and just the physicality of the game, you can see that it's it's gone up immediately with the, the level and class of the players and especially getting those tall ferns back home and, and some of the international talent that has uh, come into the competition. And it's early days. I mean, there's only three games that have been played so far. So these players will settle in over the first couple of weeks uh, but already, from what we've seen, it, uh, it's gone up uh, more than one level. It's probably gone up about four or five levels. It's pretty exciting. And, and the level of interest, uh, to me, is, has been fascinating as well. It's always going to be in, in a new competition. Uh, the first night, of course, was uh, the Pohokai beating the Hoi Ho. So it's a local victory. Um, but it, it seems to me uh, that the public are engaging quite quickly here. Yeah, they are. Look, I, I think one of the great stories or narratives around this is the pay parity. Um, it really sends a clear message that basketball is serious about looking after, you know, all of the players in both sides of the game, um, you know, the, the male and female sides of the game, which, you know, that that is a fantastic narrative to have out there. Um, but they are living up to it. I mean, they're walking the talk, and that's the most important thing. Uh, and already we're seeing the, the fans and the viewers respond to that. Um, you know, it's, it, it's probably a good message there for other sports as well. Okay, you, you were at a game uh, last night um, involving the, the Northern Kahu, who have now 2-0 uh, and o after 
two convincing wins. They won a 50 to 46 over the the Hoi Hoi uh, Hoi Hoi on Sunday, and then they followed that with an 80 to 60 win against uh, Tokomanawa Queens last night. Now you were at that game. Uh, do they look initially anyway as the team to beat? Kahu? Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, they were really good last night, Smithy. They've they've got a, a fantastic guard rotation. Um, Michaela Cox, who is just a legend of the game here in New Zealand, you know, amazingly for. All of the times she's played for the Tall Ferns, this is the first time she's had the chance to come back home and play, and that's what this competition is built to do. So to have her back home and playing in front of family and friends is exciting, and she was terrific last night. Uh, Talia Tapaya, who is uh, another Aussie WNBL player with strong connections and links through the New Zealand community, uh, she was at her bustling best last night as well. And, of course, Crystal Ledger-Walker. You know, we've heard so much about the Ledger-Walker family uh, she's now finished mm. her collegiate career and is back starting her pro career on uh, on home soil. And the three of those players, very aggressive last night. They were sharp. They looked good. And uh, certainly if they can keep those three players up and running, uh, you know, the car who are going to be a team to watch. The professional side of it is interesting. You mentioned that before, Justin, because that, I would imagine, will keep players who are thinking about doing other things. It might keep them interested for longer periods of time. It also uh, might uh, interest uh, potential code hoppers. So we've seen uh, Alia Dunn dr- jump across from uh, the Pacific, uh, sorry, from the Pulse to uh, Tokomanawa, Queens. Um, and uh, she might be the forerunner of things to come uh, if the money is worthwhile. Yeah, well, the Tokomanawa Queens have a couple of players. Paris Mason as well played for the Pulse and, uh, and she was on court last night. Uh, for the Queens in Toihi. So, look, it is a forerunner. I, I think what we can do here in New Zealand, especially if the two seasons uh, avoid each other, um, I think they can complement each other. And that's exciting for dual athletes, you know, athletes that do have the ability to play at high levels. I mean, Donna Wilkins was a champion, Donna Lofhagen back then, but a champion mm. uh, for the Tall Ferns and also the Silver Ferns. So it's been done for many, many years in terms of domestic pro competitions, you know, we do have the ANZ Premiership now and GJ Gardner Taihi. And uh, I think provided they avoid each other um, from, a, from a season clash, uh, it does open up wonderful opportunities for the athletes. Justin, do we, um, do we know what the, the reimbursement levels are? Are they made public in New Zealand basketball? No, they don't. In terms of what the payments are, no, look, it's not public and, you know, salary cap details around the men's competition isn't public either. Um, you know, there is some commercial uh, confidence around that. But at the same time, you know, I think you've only got to see from the, the level of players coming in to both of those competitions. I mean, I did the Saints and Airs game on, on Sunday night and that was just out of this world. You know, some of the uh, the players, especially from the import, Xavier Cooks for the Saints and, and Anthony Hilliard for the Airs. I mean, we, we are attracting fantastic global talent uh, as well as the Kiwi talent. So the money's there. There's no doubt about that. And I think as the competition, both competitions continue to rise and go forward and more commercial investment comes in. That's what it's always about. You know, it's yeah, the money's got to come from somewhere. So as it attracts more commercial investment because of the viewership and because of the numbers going to games, you know, no doubt those player payments will continue to rise. Let's uh, stay on that subject then of uh, the NZNBL. Uh, and the Tuatara are on top, of course, newly named franchise. Uh, and the Nelson Giants nipping at their heels. Is, is that a surprise to you, those two, uh, at, the, at the top end of the table? 
Well, I think you go into any season in the Cells NBL and you expect the Saints and the, and the Sharks to be up the top and they're sitting ninth and 10th on the ladder at the moment. So it just shows you the, the competitive nature of the competition. And it's exciting as well. The Tuatara picked up the Southern Swing in round 10, defeating the Sharks and, uh, and the Nuggets. And comprehensively, there's a lot to like about what the Tuatara have put together and coach Aaron Young. They've got a great mix of experience with Rob Lowe, you know, import Silas Schneider and, you know, certainly some of the young guns coming through, Dante Russo-Nance um, in particular. Uh, there's some great signs there ahead of the final six. The Giants have been solid away from home, have actually struggled a little bit on their home deck, which is surprising, but they're well-placed. The big mover on the weekend, though, the Taranaki Airs, who have probably just about put together one of their greatest seasons ever in the history of the 41-year-old competition. Um, and we've still got a third of the regular season to go, but they picked up wins over the uh, the Giants away from home and the Saints away from home. They're legit. There's a lot of people now looking at the Taranaki Airs, and they look a legit chance this season. That's pretty exciting for everybody around New Plymouth. There's a bit of feeling about that game, wasn't there, towards the end, the, the Saints-Airs uh, game? Yeah, there was. You know, sitting courtside and calling that game with Megan Compain. It was there were there were battles within the battle right throughout the game. There, there was uh, things being said between players, uh, and then right at the end, it heated up as well. Just in front of us, as the teams came together to to shake hands, there were a few players that wanted to go on with things, and it added a little bit of spice. And in front of three and a half thousand fans, uh, they certainly got their money's worth. Here's an interesting one, uh, staying on the subject of the Tuatara as well, Kirk Penny. Kirk Penny, what, retired in yeah. 2018, possibly back on the books for future use? Yeah, he has registered, uh, 41-year-old Kirk Penny. He's a terrific guy, and, and what a player. I mean, one of the best New Zealand has ever produced. Uh, he's there as a bit of an insurance policy, I think, as the Tuatara aimed to make the final six. Um, and, and that event will be held... On the, uh, on the North Shore at Event Finder on their home court. So they're really excited about making it and they're covering all their bases. If, if Kirk Penny can get out there and play in any of their final four games, I'll tell you now as a fan, you want to buy a ticket because that's going to be something to go and see. Silas Snyder uh, seems to have found another gear for Auckland, uh, one of the uh, imports, and, uh, as well as uh, the monster import and Chris Johnson as uh, is, uh, is it possible he could be around or they could be around as a combination at finals time yeah there's a little bit of a whisper smithy that chris johnson uh may have committed to the tuatata that if they do make the final six he'll come back from the states for that week for that four-day event now if that happens that really propels them you would think to favoritism because he is a legit star as well uh so we'll wait and see what happens as far as chris johnson goes but silas schneider I think a few people were, were doubtful early as he settled in over the first couple of weeks. But, gee, you look at his body of work over the last month and he has really taken it up a level. He's an exciting player to watch, especially once he finds his range, you know, his athleticism and ability to get to the basket. When you put him together with Dante Russo-Nance, you know, the young 17-year-old Kiwi who is just at another level uh, for such a young guy, uh, playing basketball in this country. He's got a huge future. You put those two together, it's a pretty formidable combination. Okay, let's uh, look perhaps at one of the two of the other sides that um, have, have struggled a bit this year. I'm, uh, uh, for a pretty positive start, uh, the Hawks, um, perhaps not where they want to be on the table, and neither to the Franklin Bulls. 
Yeah, the Hawks are an interesting one. They they, they lost to the Jets in round ten. Uh, they were missing Ethan Rusbatch and uh, and Hiram Harris away on national team duties with the Tall Blacks, and they fell to the Jets by three. They suffered a few injury problems in that game as well. So it will be interesting to see how they bounce back this week, and in particular, you know, the injury status of Drone Rakawa. They take on the Nuggets on Monday night. Um, and, and that's straight off the back of the Nuggets playing the Saints on Sunday. So the Hawks have, have been solid, uh, but at times a little bit inconsistent, especially on their home floor. But I expect them to figure prominently come the final six. And the Bulls are an interesting one because they're in that mid-pack that is so tight uh, on the Cells NBL ladder. They can ill afford to slip up. They had a good win on, against the Rams on Saturday night. But they have two big midweek games coming up. They play tomorrow night uh, against the Airs, who are in form and flying. And then just 24 hours later, they go further south to Palmerston to take on the Jets. And uh, they're in a bit of form themselves and scrapping to stay in contention for the final six. So this is a huge week. Make or break for the Bulls. Don't know if Corey Webster's going to play. Jaden Bazant is away at that Asia Cup 3x3. Uh, so some pressure on the Bulls, but they are coming off a win. I was watching the uh, NBA draft, uh, and the Breakers got quite a lot of coverage because uh, Osman Dieng, who of course played for the Breakers this year, uh, was picked very, very early on in the draft, and uh, that was an encouraging sign. Great recognition for the Breakers. Uh, as I said, a lot of publicity around that. Great acknowledgement for the NBL as well, and a genuine pathway has, has been quite obviously revealed. Yeah, it has, and, and Hugo Basson went with the, the last pick, so the Breakers had two players go uh, in the NBA draft, and um, you know there, there was also an Australian that went. It, it is a legit pathway, and I think excitingly for everyone here in New Zealand, the competitions we have here are a legit pathway to that pathway. You know, there were 20-odd Kiwis playing in the Australian NBL uh, last season, just finished. There's always roughly eight to ten Kiwis playing in the Australian um, Women's League, the WNBL as well. So, you know, it, it is a fantastic area, um, you know, Australia-New Zealand platform for basketball. Um, the players come out with great fundamentals. Uh, across Australia and New Zealand, there's probably about 300 to 350 kids, um, young men and women playing at collegiate level which is quite amazing when you actually sit down and think about those numbers. Uh, so I've got no doubt with those players going through college from Australia and New Zealand, you're going to see a lot more Aussies and Kiwis uh, making the NBA and WNBA in the future. And just finally, uh, Justin, while we've got you there, the, the three-on-three, three-by-three Asia Cup in Singapore, um, this hybrid version of the game, uh, is it taking is it taking hold? Do, do you feel uh, is it is it there to stay? Oh, it's taking hold globally. I mean, it's an Olympic sport now. Uh, the 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 tall ferns and and tall blacks three x three teams, as you said, off to the Asia Cup. But then straight after that, they're going to the Commonwealth Games. Uh, it's definitely taking off. You've only got to have a look around. Uh, you know the schoolyards and 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 the parklands and the local basketball facilities. Uh, it's a really short, sharp game. It's physical. You know, when you speak to players who play it for the first time, especially pro players, when they step out and do it for the first time, they're quite amazed uh, at, uh, at just the level of physicality and stamina that's needed to play the game. It's really exciting as a fan. 
uh, watching it. There's just something always going on. You've only got to see the pictures from overseas and shopping centres and, you know, big malls and car parks and all that sort of stuff by the beach, the way they set it up and, and the crowds are flocking to it, especially in Europe. And uh, it's definitely here to stay. There's no doubt about that. Great news, uh, Justin. Thank you so much uh, for your time this morning. Uh, updates on the local league and uh, that look overseas as well. Uh, uh, continue uh, to call well, mate, and we'll continue to listen. Things are looking good uh, for the hoops. It's fantastic. Thank you, mate. Hey, appreciate it. Good on you. Cheers. Justin Nelson there, of course, uh, former GM of the uh, NBL, uh, heavily involved still uh, in the game, though, as a commentator, pundit, etc., and uh, very encouraged by the start of uh, Toihi in particular. It is uh, really good to see uh, women and men being paid equal amounts and attracting talent from overseas because of that. 10.17 here. Uh, we've got a panel next um, and a really interesting member of the panel. Uh, I'm not saying Ollie Ritchie isn't, but John Day is. John Day, back to the show. Can't wait. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Well, it is panel time this morning. Uh, we welcome back uh, Ollie Ritchie. He's, of course, he's uh, a regular for us. And uh, we welcome back to the show uh, John Day, of course, former producer who's uh, left for a much bigger paycheck and greener pastures. But he's uh, deemed it uh, appropriate, I think, that he can pop back and say hello to us this morning. And uh, I think it's cool because I've got a couple of things that are dear to his heart to ask him about. Uh, Ollie, good morning. John Day, good morning. Uh, Ollie, if I can start with you, we'll just leave John Day just simmering there for a second or two. Uh, selections for the second test. Uh, would we twist or would we stay the same, do you think, uh, in terms of what the All Blacks have got to do going forward, Ollie? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning to you as well, JD. An absolute honour to share the panel with, uh, with the great man, Nelson's finest. Um, I would stick very much, uh, very much with, with, with what worked at Eden Park, Smithy. Um, oh, I don't see any need to make many changes because they can win the series this weekend. So as far as I'm concerned, Ian Foster has to roll out um, as close to his full strength team as is possible. Um, maybe a, a question mark over whether Will Jordan is available just yet. He's probably the the main question mark out of those three uh, COVID cases from last week. Uh, I'd also move David Harvelli into the starting lineup. Um, I think he would have started the first test if he didn't go down with COVID. Mm-hmm. He's very good for the Crusaders, particularly towards the latter end uh, of Super Rugby. And that midfield is there's no sure thing at the moment. So I think Foster will want to have a look at different guys in there. Um, Quintu Paya was very good over the weekend. It's not, not a slight against him at all, but I just think uh, David Havili deserves the chance um, to start at second five. Other than that, uh, wouldn't mind seeing Falao Fakatava get a run off the bench as well. Perfect conditions for him. Obviously, it's going to be dry. We know that. So, you know, no chance of, of the hospital pass and, and pouring rain at Eden Park sort of thing. So, um, you know, those would probably be two that I would look at. Other than that, I'd stick with, with what worked at Eden Park. Yeah, there's uh, been a lot of criticism during this tenure of Ian Foster and co that there was too much experimentation uh, to really answer the questions that we needed answered. Uh, JD, welcome back, mate. Uh, lovely to have you here. Uh, what did you make of uh, Eden Park on Saturday night, and what would you forecast going ahead on what you saw? Cheers, Smitty. Yeah, and good morning, Ollie. Um, I liked what I saw at Eden Park. Uh, I think the scoreline flattered us a little bit. I think Ireland gifted us a couple of tries, and when Johnny Sexton got injured, I think they lost a bit of confidence, so I think they'll be a lot better, and I agree with Ollie. 
I don't think you make wholesale changes. David Avili, I agree with. I thought he was awesome in the Super Rugby final. Deserves another crack at that 12 jersey. I wonder if they might want to give Caleb Clark a run on the left wing. Um, I'm a big Leicester-flying uh, Nuku fan, but I just think if they create some competition for that 11 jersey, it might bring the best out of Leicester and Caleb Clark. So I wonder if they uh, just might want to tinker there. And I'm not a big fan, Smithy, of the Scott Barrett at six. I know uh, Dalton Papa Lee wasn't 100%, they said, and Akira Ioane, uh still battling with a foot. So I'd like to see Dalton Papa Lee in that six jersey. I really do think Scott Barrett is a is a great lock and a makeshift six. So I'd like to see Dalton Papa Lee in the six jersey, but I think the selectors uh, quite like their little experiment here with Scott Barrett, so we'll probably give him another run. You're, I know, JD, you're a, a big fan of Sam Kane. Um, you know, you, you, you support yep. uh, his selection and, and as a, an all-black captain as such. But uh, I just wonder, even after that performance, you, you look at uh, comments on articles and things like that. What is it going to take for people just to get in behind Foster and Kane? When is it going to take? Uh, what is it going to take for people to believe that that's it, that that's what we're going with to the World Cup and just get in with it? Yeah, it's a great question, Smithy. It just doesn't stop, does it? Even after the weekend, it was just like, oh, it was a great performance by our loose Ford duo. Um, kind of everyone saying that Artie and Scott <laughs> Barrett fronted up, but Sam wasn't even there. Didn't didn't Sam Kane put on the biggest hit of the night at the weekend? But mm. I didn't see anyone in their player ratings kind of write that down um, because they don't want to see him succeed for some reason because there's a lot of Artie Savia fans who think that he should be wearing seven. There's a hell of a lot of Dalton Papali'i fans who think that he should be wearing seven. And people just don't like a workhorse who does all the tough stuff. So, I don't know, Smithy, he needs to stay fit for one and just put lots of games together because the more games he plays, the more obvious it'll become that Sam Kane is a great test match player for the All Blacks. And I think, ultimately, that's the only thing that will shut people up is him fronting up every week, not getting injured, and just putting in solid performances like he did at the weekend, and he'll only get better. Uh, Ollie Ritchie, uh, the Christchurch deadline for the new stadium in terms of public submissions closes tonight at one minute to midnight. Uh, what are you forecasting here on the blowout of the budget, etc.? Is this a goer or not? I really hope it is, Smithy. Um, I, I think it's just shambles. It's been an utter shambles for, for a number of years and that was before we even got to this budget blowout that we have at the moment. It's 2022. The earthquake happened in 2011 and we're, we're here you know, some 11 years later still bickering about the money for the stadium. It's just, it blows my mind. It really does. Um, I think it will get over the line. I think the public submission will heavily favour um, just forging ahead, getting on and building it. As we've heard, you know, the mayor say, as we've heard Colin Mansbridge out of the Crusaders say time and time again, just get on and build it. Um, I think public sentiment will be on that side because, you know, at the end of the day, Christchurch is a great sporting city, um, but it's got one of the worst stadiums maybe in the world. Uh, and I don't think that's an arrogant Orange Theory Stadium. It's just an absolute shocker. And, you know, there's a whole generation of kids down there that don't go to the rugby, don't go and watch the Crusaders, haven't been able to go and watch the All Blacks because they don't take games there, and fair enough as well. Um, so I hope it gets over the line. Uh, I think it will, but, yeah, at this point, it's just like get on and build, build it. It must be very frustrating for the people of Christchurch. Yeah, it certainly eeks of temporary, and it eeks of not being user-friendly, JD. I, I'd imagine um, 
They've got to do something about this, but I can just see uh, can just see the resistance building on the other side of the ledger here. Yeah, it's a lot of coin. So that no one likes paying for stuff. Everyone wants something for free, but this ain't free. Six hundred and eighty million dollars worth of stadium. If they'd just built it right at the start, it would have been half this cost, and it would have been ready by now. So I'm a big fan of just if COVID's shown us anything, it's that we can just print money whenever we want. So just spend the money. It's not going to get cheaper in the future. Everything's just going to be more expensive. I've actually gone online. I don't even live in Christchurch. Haven't lived there for about 23 years. Um, but I've gone online and filled out a wee form and just said, build it now. They've just got to build it, don't they? Smithy, you've stood sidelined at Orange Theory. It's an absolute shocker. That city needs a covered stadium, doesn't it? Oh, they're going to, I'll tell you what, one night I'm going to walk forward and get run over by the horses. I can see that, JD, sticking out a mile. It's just not <laughs> enough room on that track. It's, it's, I mean, it's only inches away from the com- sideline commentator's position. It's scary, man. It's scary on a slippery night. One of them loses their footing. I'm a goner. Hey, hey fellas, hang around uh, because we've got a, a number of issues to, to talk to. But uh, as you well know, you people that have worked in the radio or still do, uh, we've got to take our, uh, our news breaks and our ad breaks. So uh, here at 10.31, here is Araha. Big opinions, the panel. John Day, Ollie Ritchie with us this morning and uh, fellas I've just got a, a text and to say they might have made their decision early on Christchurch already because they were drilling on the site yesterday so fingers crossed maybe they were just drilling for oil hoping they'd find it so they can pay for it uh, I don't know, it was just a, <coughs> just an observation there. Here's a, here's a go uh, and we're talking uh, cricket here and you guys probably are just aware of this, uh, New Zealand Cricket have had a media release where now a, a groundbreaking agreement where uh, the White Ferns and the Black Caps and anyone playing and cricket uh, across the domestic level as well will all get the same money for match fees going forward. Now that is groundbreaking. Uh, wasn't what I was originally going to talk to you. What it means though is the 17th ranked, here's, an, uh, here's a, um, a, for instance, the White Ferns 17th ranked player in terms of contracts uh, has the possibility now of earning a maximum of $142,000 as opposed to $62,000. That is an $80,000 pay rise. That is massive. Not the subject I was going to talk about, fellas, so I'll leave you to digest that and perhaps we'll talk about it at another time. But uh, the interesting thing for the Commonwealth Games, Leah Tahu, who was snubbed, uh, didn't get a contract originally, now being called back into the side, uh, and that's to replace Jess Kerr. The other one of interest to me, uh, John Day, I'll start with you, Amy Satterthwaite, who has retired because not required, and, uh, and all of a sudden Lauren Down pulls out for personal reasons. And they have to go looking for a, bat, uh, a batter. Uh, wouldn't it have been interesting if Amy Satterthwaite was still around um, and available to play? Would they have taken the wife-wife combination back into the fold? Oh, they absolutely would have, Smithy. And this whole contract situation for the men as well and for the women, it's been quite perplexing, really, because I think Molly Penfold is a contracted player, I believe, who is a bowler and would have been a light-for-light replacement for Jess Kerr. But no, they've gone from outside of the contracts and they've gone to Claudia Green. Uh, so instantly, a new coach has come in and gone from outside the contracted list. So, but the contract is like your, it's where you make your money, isn't it? So if you're not contracted, it's a huge deal. Um, so this is just so confusing. And for Leah Tahu uh, to be brought back in now and not to have a contract, it must hurt her pride a bit. It's like, hey, you guys need me. You guys want me. But yet you're not going to pay me a big wedge. You're going to give it to someone else like a Molly Penfold uh, who's actually not going to play, but you want to develop her. So it looks like some of the, they're using these central contracts as development tools, but surely that's not the reason for central contracted players. 
Well, John, I, I just can't believe that uh, Ben Sawyer was um, was uh, asked too much about the makeup of the initial squad he was given or the contract to play. I simply can't. I, 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 they put the cart before the horse, I, I reckon. They should have picked him straight away uh, and then let him get embedded into the process. But I'm not sure he was part of it all. In fact, he near, Nyon admitted that to us on the show, uh, that he had no say. Uh, and yet Bob Carter, who uh, was out, walked away straight away after the last ball of the, of the World Cup is part of the thing and still going to be part of the thing as they go to the Commonwealth Games. It's a head-scratcher, Ollie, for me. Oh, it's a head-scratcher for me as well, Smithy. I, I agree with everything JD's just said. Uh, I don't know how you can say, well, Leah Dehuhu, we don't see you as part of our future plans. We're not going to offer you a contract. Um, but as soon as we need a bit of an SOS, actually, you know, we are going to go back to you. Uh, we're going to go outside our central and contracted players. It's shambolic. The fact that Ben Sawyer wasn't involved and Bob Carter was uh, involved is shambolic. Um, you know, the fact that Bob Carter oversaw what was a pretty average period for the White Ferns and then retained his job as uh, a high-performance manager for New Zealand cricket and, and was having this input into the, the contracted players, that's shambolic in itself, um, it's just very messy at the moment, Smithy. It really is, and it looks to be like New Zealand cricket have treated some uh, some great servants of the game here pretty poorly. Yep, uh, I, I totally agree, and, and there's certainly a backtrack there, and I, and I really do believe uh, that Ben Sawyer would rather have had Amy Satterthwaite at his disposal while he was getting embedded in the job uh, than anyone else. Uh, who they picked um, as a backup player. So anyway, there's the go. English rugby in a spot of bother, hammered by the Barbarians before they left and uh, couldn't beat a 14-man uh, Wallaby outfit as well, uh, Ollie. So uh, a lot of pressure on Eddie Jones as we speak. Yeah, and the pressure on Eddie Jones has sort of been lingering for a while. You think back to the, the Six Nations where they were pretty underwhelming as well and then hammered by the Barbars and, and you're right, um, couldn't get the job done against a 14-man Wallabies team, and, and which they, they look to have the better of them for, for the most part uh, of that game in Perth. Um, it feels like the drums have been beating for Eddie Jones for, for a wee while now, um, and it'll be interesting to see what the RFU does, because I, I can almost guarantee they will have one eye fixed very closely on the situation right here, and what the future holds for Scott Robertson, and whether he has any involvement um, with the All Blacks going forward, if that job was to come up. After the World Cup, because I'm sure um, if Razor was available, they'd absolutely take him. So, uh, look, they'll obviously stick with Eddie Jones for now, but certainly um, it feels like his time in charge of, of England is, is going to be pretty limited, and, and maybe it shapes as a very intriguing contest at Twickenham later this year as well. Contracts are just contracts, JD. I mean, uh, we know that. Uh, we've talked about it over the years as well, but. Uh, and we look with uh, Brendan McCullum uh, as a classic example of uh, when England want to spend money, they find the money and uh, they'll go for their guy. Uh, if Jones went, would they? Would you? Would you think Razor's phone would be ringing? Would you think he'd, he'd answer it? Oh, well, I'd hope not, because I really want him to be our next All Blacks coach after the next World Cup. But money talks, doesn't it? At the end of the day, and if you can turn around a team like England. Uh, and get them going at a Rugby World Cup, maybe that'd be something to fire up Razor. But Razor does seem quite loyal and quite happy winning title after title after title at the Crusaders. And I just find it bizarre that England rehired Eddie Jones. Doesn't everyone know he's good for one campaign and then he's a nightmare after that? So 
I think him beating the All Blacks at the last World Cup in the semi-finals probably the worst thing that could have happened to English rugby because it gave everyone uh, an easy out there to go, oh, yep, Eddie, then you're our guy to take us through the next World Cup where he's, he's never been good for a second campaign. He's great at getting them fired up for two, three, four years, but then I think he runs out of uh, motivation for his teams and his coaching staff's having a shocker. Anthony Seabold brought him in as a defensive coach and they can't keep out a 14-man Wallabies team. It's just bizarre what he's built there at England and his selections at 10 and 12 with Smith and Farrell have been awful as well. So I think he's run out of ideas, Smithy, which is probably good for us uh, if we play them at a World Cup. But yeah, whether Razor would take on the job, I'm not sure. JD, we, I was going to ask you about your villains in sport, but as you well know, we're uh, we're running out of time. But I do have a pertinent question for you. Uh, some well, someone's texted texted in and said, "What does JD do now?" Uh, and I think a more pertinent question is, "What time do you get to the pub on Friday? Is it still five past 12? <laughs> oh, that is a magic time to get home. And yes, it is, Smithy. I have uh, talked into uh, an early start and an early finish on Fridays as part of my contracts, uh, which I always do. I've just gone back to sports journalism on radio and uh, doing the odd podcast here and there. So thanks for texting in and asking. Uh, Mum or Dad, whoever that was, uh, really appreciate it. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Hey, uh, thank you very much. Go well, both of you guys. Fantastic opinions this morning. Uh, we could have talked uh, for another 20 minutes, so I can promise you that. With well, There's so much information floating around at the moment. It's an interesting time. Uh, Ollie Ritchie, John Day, we're our panellists this morning. We have the same, uh, uh, same panel, not the same panel, but the same time tomorrow we will have a different panel with some different things to discuss. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.46, time to get through a few of your texts and be truckloads of them this morning. I thank you very much for that. Uh, Jamie says the only changes would be for him. Will Jordan and at 14, Haveli to replace Enner on the bench. Bit hard on uh, Seve Reese, but uh, that is the quality that we've got at the moment uh, out wide, isn't it? It's as simple as that. Um, morning, Smithy. Uh, my four villains are, now this is from Dale, Dennis Connor, John McEnroe, Steve Smith, and Matt Lodge. Matt Lodge, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave says, uh, Chapel Brothers, Tonya Harding, LaRue for eating Fitzy's ear, and Mike Tyson for eating, eating uh, Holyfields, of course. Uh, Dean's come in with Colin Hawke, number one, Glenn Jackson, number two, Wayne Barnes, number three, and Steve, look at me, Walsh, number four. Boomfa, uh, says Dean. Uh, Russell Coots, uh, this is massive, this one. Russell Coots, John Hopawate, Tonya Harding, Mike Tyson, Lance Armstrong, Ben Johnson, Aaron Hernandez, Chicago White Sox as, uh, as a unit, Hansi Cronier, Mohamed Azaruddin, Greg Dyer, Greg Chappell, Israel Falau. Uh, that's it for me. It's from Carolyn. Ah, Carolyn, fantastic. Love it. Oh, and Irish swimmer Michelle Smith, she's thrown in just for good measure as well. Uh, Sean's come in and said... Uh, Lance Armstrong, David Warner, Dyer the Liar, the Russian Drugs and Sport Programme. Craig has said uh, Manavadavai, yes, uh, it's uh, sort of gone down in uh, a lot of people's uh, estimations, hasn't he? Adrian Morley sent off after seven seconds uh, versus the Aussies with a clothesliner, the very first tackle of the match. Uh, Steve Smith with Sandpaper Gate, Oscar Pistorius. Wasn't uh, one I considered Oscar Pistorius, but I, if I had my time again, I would have. Horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Um, they may, <coughs> oh yes, it's about the drilling. Uh, have have more meetings, Christchurch, Dunedin. Dunedin will be the winner out of it. Uh, have more meetings, Christchurch. Can't wait till Saturday. Meetings, meetings, Christchurch. That's the answer. Have some more meetings, meetings and more meetings. 
Uh, Jared said, enjoyed your chat with the panel, read the stadium. Christchurch, absolute shambles, as uh, Ollie said, and great to hear J2D2 in, in his thoughts. Uh, were you serious on where you commentate at the dungeon? That's quite dangerous where the horses shed. Well, it is. It's around about, I'd say, they go past about uh, 10 feet maximum, two and a half metres in front of there, and, um, and there's people sitting in front of me as well. Um, some of the uh, assistant referees and um, doctors, etc., are, are probably a, a foot or two closer than me. Uh, so it's close when they go past. There's not a lot of room in the touchline. It's uh, it's an awkward place to commentate. I, I think it's fair to say, and that's being uh, com- complimentary. It's just you feel a very very claustrophobic down there. Uh, Tonya Harding, uh, Lance Armstrong, Michael Vick, yeah, the the pit fighter, um, and uh, Oscar Pistorius. Mark that was from so there are plenty of them around plenty of them around and they do attract our attention from time to time and uh, Logan Swinkles and myself will have our four each at around about 11.43 this morning but for the moment it's 10.49 we'll talk to Louis Herman Watt and uh, a quick visit to the TAB prior to 11 o'clock and then Tarapa and Hastings backing up again on Saturday so be really interesting to see what happens with Hastings. Actually, just speaking of Hastings, Smithy, um, Darren Balcom, he's off to be the CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. So you have to keep your ear to the ground about what's going on down there at Hastings and how they move forward. Well, well, do, uh, Louie. Uh, I will say um, you wouldn't go amiss down here in Hawke's Bay. You'd, you'd, we'd find a house for you in Havelock North, I'm sure, mate, if you're looking for a, a change of vocation at some point in life. And uh, racing administration, I'm sure, is on your agenda. Thank you very much for your time, Louie. Uh, let's get across to a former Hawks Bay man himself, very proud, Brendan Propperwell. Uh, Pops is a uh, little bit quiet on the racing front on Tuesdays, etc. but there's still quite a lot of sport going on, including Wimbledon, and you've framed some early markets for the rugby this weekend too. That's right, Smithy. Yep, we'll uh, touch on that at the end around the, the, the rugby market, especially for the All Blacks. What punters are interested in today is a little bit of Major League Baseball missing three popular teams. Chicago White Sox at 167, Toronto Blue Jays at 136, and the LA Dodgers at 132. They are popular through a three-leg multi, and if you wanted to look for something else, in the total runs market in the White Sox, over nine runs at $1.83 uh, has also been a popular option for Tuesday punters. And yes, All Blacks v Island on Saturday, I can tell you that so far, All Blacks 13 plus at $1.62 has been touched up. Currently, the All Blacks are $1.13 and Ireland at $5.75 on the bounce back for them and the draw at $26. Make any changes, would you, Pops? Uh, Will Jordan uh, would would be sliding in. Okay, that's pretty harsh on Seve Reese. I mean, we don't even talk about George (laughs) Bridge anymore, do we? It's quite incredible. No, you're right, you're right. Um, but we need to get Jordan in there. He's a dynamic player, as we've all seen through the Super Rugby season. But, boy, they were great on Saturday. Let's hope they can back it up again. Good on you, BP there from uh, the TAB. Uh, and uh, we've got uh, Rugby League after 11 o'clock. I'm really looking forward to talking to Wade Egan. Here's the bloke who's played 50 games for the Warriors, 51 now, and he's played one at Mount Smart. What a feeling he must have had walking out uh, through that tunnel on Sunday afternoon. We'll be back shortly, but here's Araha with the 11 o'clock update. England versus India Cricket Test Live. Commentary starts at 10 tonight on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
The Warriors put the squeeze on now, but they really need some more points. Here goes Curran slipping into dummy half. Harris Tavita left to Fanua Blake. Those post-contact metres, they love to see them, and he loves to get them. They're five metres out from the try line. Come on, get up! Wade Egan. Here we go now with a skip pass. Here goes Tohu Harris, and he's gone in! The first try scored, they're not going to need to check this one. That's an easy four-pointer. Kempe called it, and Tohu Harris, the captain, gets the Warriors their first try of the homecoming. Well, that was the first try for Tohu Harris, the captain extraordinaire, and Sunday was a special day for rugby league fans in New Zealand. They flew in from across the country, they tuned in on TV, they listened on the radio right here, as you just heard on SENZ, and all in all, it was a magical day that went according to script. You could see it on the faces of the Warriors players as they walked through that famous tunnel through to Mount Smart Stadium proper. It meant something. It was big. And they backed it up with a very solid 22-2 win over the West Tigers. And one man who was in the thick of it all was Warriors hooker Wade Egan. And he joins us now here on SENZ in the mornings. And uh, welcome to the show, uh, Wade. It was uh, simply one of those fantastic things that I, I imagine you were pretty happy to be part of. Yeah, mate. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it was really cool to be a part of um, running out to that sort of atmosphere. I've never felt anything like it. And... Um, yeah, to do a job on, on Sunday for the fans, you know, um, you hold the hold the Tigers scoreless and put a pretty good scoreline up was um, was really pleasing. Must have been unusual. I mean, right from the time that you arrived in New Zealand, you got uh, the porphyry, the welcome to Mount Smart Stadium. I mean, you've worn the jersey so often, uh, but to finally get to the spiritual home of uh, of the Warriors, how did it feel? What what was the week like for you? Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty full on week. Um, as you said, we had a sort of welcoming on the um, on the Tuesday morning, and then we had lots of media commitments and um, and a fair bit of training as well. So it was a full on week. But um, to get home and you know see your name on the locker with your player number there, and have the gym, have our own facilities, um, you know, even just meeting meeting some of the staff for the first time um, that that run the office stuff and the marketing and stuff like that was just really felt like home. And, and you could feel it all week. There was. Um, I don't know, you just had a feeling there was no way we were, we were getting beat that week. There was just a great energy amongst the boys, and um, I think it sort of showed on, on Sunday. You guys got a bye week this week, so uh, for you in particular, uh, what does a bye week mean? Do, do you have to find somewhere to live on a more regular basis over here? What, what, what will it entail for you? Um, so a few boys have headed back to, to Brisbane, so um, I don't have any family over there in New Zealand at the moment, so I've headed back to Brisbane, and I'll catch up with some family back in Oz um, this week. But a few boys have stayed over, and they've, um, they're searching for a place over there, and a, a couple of other boys are just staying with family. So it's sort of a sort of week to decompress, I guess, um, and, and get away, but we'll still be um, keeping on training. I know a few boys will link up um, if either in New Zealand or Brisbane or, or other places to, to get some training done still um, in, the, in the time off. Just looking back at that performance at the weekend, one of the uh, problems, I, I guess, with the scorelines, etc., Wade, has been the fact that you've been leaking tries. So to stop the Tigers and, and keep them scoreless, I would imagine, was as, as probably as rewarding as anything at all, of all. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. Um, obviously, you've been leaking, leaking way too many points the last you know, month or two, and um, to keep them to no tries and just have that penalty goal <clears throat> right on half-time um, was really pleasing. Um, I know... I know the coaches are really pleased with that, um, and, and as players, you're really pleased with that. You'd rather win, you know, 22 to two than say 40 to 20 or something with with um, both sides, you know, scoring heaps of points. So um, yeah, we can take a lot of confidence out of that. Obviously, um, you know, we got we got some good sides coming up in um, Parramatta and stuff like that that we got to be better again. But um, we can take yeah a little bit of confidence out of that and build on 
that sort of defensive performance. What do you make of the uh, the setup at Mount Smart? You, you were uh, pretty happy to be using the facilities, etc. But uh, knowing full well that Redcliffe, or hoping full well that Redcliffe was going to be good, but uh, but temporary. So what have what have you made of the Mount Smart setup? Yeah, as I said before, mate, it just feels, feels like home. You know, you walk into the gym and um, it's got the huge mural on the wall of the Warriors. Um, even out the front of the stadium, the big Warriors signs and stuff like that. You know, we're, we're using Redcliffe facilities. There's you know, Redcliffe Dolphins um, signs everywhere back there. Even though they, they've been great to us and they've, um, you know, accommodated us really well. But it's just, yeah, there's nothing like, you know, using your own sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I, it's sort of hard to explain. It's just a, it's a different feeling when you when you go into the gym and you go into the physio room that you just know you're, they're, they're sort of yours. So um, that's sort of been the best part of the week, I think, just, just being, you know, sort of at a home. What about the the feeling on the field um, at the time? I mean, the atmosphere twenty six and thousand and eight people, I think, was the official figure. Do you, can, can you sense that? Can, can you sense that on the field? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I've never felt like it felt anything like that running out. I can imagine it's sort of similar to an Origin sort of game when we run out of the tunnel. It was just um, it was electric and nearly. Blew the roof off the grandstands. I think so the noise. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't talk to anyone in the first couple of sets. I couldn't hear. Couldn't hear anyone talking. Um, so it was a bit. Um, it was a bit strange at, at times. But you know, when you're when you're feeling tired and um, the crowd's on your side, it definitely gives you that extra boost. And um, yeah, it's sort of. It's seen what we missed for the last three years. Not being able to play at home. It's such a big advantage for for teams that have big crowds that turn out each and every week. It um, it really really helps you. Obviously, it hasn't been a, a smooth sailing type season. There have been people come and go, including the coaching setup. Stacey's had to uh, to step in as interim head coach. But you've had people like uh, Kevin Campion coming in to provide inspiration. Uh, how has that helped uh, those uh, senior players, those, I guess, club heroes coming back into the fold? Yeah, it's really good having those guys around. You know, um, I've, I've watched highlights of those guys playing. You know, I was, I was pretty young when when they were playing, but they were they were just really tough guys, and um, you could see how much they they um, how much pride they had in the jersey, and that's all sort of lacking at times, I think, during the year. So um, having those guys around the group, it sort of just makes you makes you think think twice about you know um, how how much the jersey does mean to to everyone, and and what sort of what you got to do to sort of up, uphold your end of the bargain when you when you put the jersey on, and um, yeah, it sort of makes you want to play with pride. That's that's sort of what it means, I think. Uh, obviously, you're, you're back home uh, in uh, in Brisbane, as you say, and you, you know you're, you're taking a bit of time out there. But uh, it would be interesting to know uh, if you looked uh, at the faces of the likes of the Tohu Harris, the Bunty Arfoas, the Sean Johnsons, the Kiwi boys within the group who had been away from home for what a thousand and thirty-eight days. I'm led to believe. Uh, yeah, what did you notice about them and 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 their performance during the week? <coughs> Yeah, you could just you could see the the sort of change in Shawnee. You know, he's been away from his his um, daughter and his partner for for God knows how long. You know, he sort of had to watch his watch his daughter grow up on the on the iPhone and on FaceTime, and um, it's got to take a massive toll. You know, we, people don't really understand how much he he sort of went through this year, and then to get him back home and him going back to his own bed and seeing his daughter at night and um, you know waking up with his family is really cool. And you can see on the weekend how much he was enjoying his footy. So, um, and yeah, like Bunce, he had um. I think he had all his family at the game with his 100th match um, and he could tell by the way he played and then, you know, the other guys like Jazzy, how proud he is to be home and, and, and Chanel had a, had a great performance as well. It's just, it's just a different feeling when you, you get back amongst your family and it, um, in that sort of happy mindset. 
Let's uh, look at uh, the next time you're back here, and that is, of course, uh, against the Melbourne Storm. It's, uh, it's about three weeks away um, as we speak, Wade. Um, and, of course, we all know what happened last time you, you guys played them. Playing them back in Auckland, though, that, that's an opportunity to, uh, uh, to turn things around somewhat, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, last time we played it wasn't really wasn't great. But, um, you know, with the, with the home fans there, hopefully we get another similar turnout to what, what we got um, on Sunday and then we can, we can really put a good performance together. Um, hopefully we can build on, as I said before, the, the performance on the weekend and then hopefully um, go down to Sydney and Canberra and um, hopefully get some good results there and then lead into, a, into another homecoming game, which will, which will be electric again. I could imagine the fans will be really excited to get back to that um, after, after sort of performing well on Sunday. You've come through the Warriors after going through the Penrith system and of course that's uh, proving to be ultra successful the way they're going about it at the moment. You played a couple of seasons with them. How do you think the move to the Warriors um, has had an impact on your particular game? Yeah, obviously it's been um, a little bit disruptive with the, you know, not, not sort of living in New Zealand and travelling around a bit, but um, I think it was, yeah, I think it was the right move for me. Um, I think I've developed as a player, you know, the coaching staff at the Warriors has really helped my game and um, They've taught me a lot over the last couple of years. You know, I've had a, I've had a few coaches, but sometimes that's not all bad because you get to see um, all sides of the game. So um, they've really helped me a lot, and I think it's developed my game to where I'm I'm pretty happy with it at the moment. Um, obviously, still a still a long way to go, but um, I think yeah, staying here is sort of the right move for me in um, in sort of my career. What attracted you to wanting to play the the hooker position, Wade? Oh, um, I was actually a half when I was when I was younger, but um, coming through the Penrith system, I had um, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, they were, they were in front of me in the halves, I um, mean, in 18, so I sort of had to had to bite the bullet and make a switch to nine, or I probably wouldn't get a game, so um, that's actually how, how it sort of come about, playing dummy half, and then, um, yeah, just played 20s there in the nine, and then, yeah, sort of developed into the um, into first grade through um, playing dummy half, so that, that's sort of the story there. So you've signed with the Warriors until uh, the end of uh, 2024, so you've got a, a reasonable stint here. And uh, I guess the key will be um, going forward into next season and the season after that is is the fact that uh, life hopefully will be back to normal where you're, you're doing a lot of flying, getting a lot of air points, but you're playing some genuine home games. So I, I guess settling, I mean, it's been an issue, hasn't it? We've, we've heard from uh, coaches and, and one or two players that, they weren't really prepared for the New Zealand lifestyle side of it. You're, you're happy to accept the fact that you're going to spend a lot more time away from Australia? Yeah, mate, yeah, that's what I signed for. I signed for three years um, when I when I first signed here, and I was, um, yeah, I accepted the fact that I was going to be over in New Zealand. So um, that's what I signed on for, and I'll, I'll be doing that. And, um, yeah, um, I guess a couple of the guys that, that sort of signed when they, they didn't know what to expect um, have pulled out, but... You know, um, it'll be it'll be way better just to get back to some normal life and um, you know not not living out of a suitcase, going to Gold Coast, Brisbane, you know, Kiama. We've been around the world for the last couple of years, so just actually having a home to go to and um, yeah, a place to settle will be really good. You mentioned Origin before um, and uh, the special uh, specialness of, of that occasion. It was a blowout in Perth. What do you expect in Game Three? Yeah, I think it'll be a bit tighter. Um, obviously, the, the guys coming up to Suncorp. Um, I'm a Blues fan, so hopefully the Blues win. But I think it'll be a little bit tighter. But uh, the way the Blues played in the last game, I, I think the I think the Blues will get the job done. Their decide on paper is probably probably too good, and they're you know 
the way that Nathan, um, you know, Tedesco and their OBs played in the last game, I think, I think the Blues will get the job done. Yeah. Okay, uh, fantastic catching up uh, with you, Wade. Uh, so pleased to see that uh, you're part of a successful return to New Zealand. Uh, look forward to seeing you back here on a more regular basis uh, when the competition gets back to normal from the Warriors' point of view. Enjoy the week off, mate. Uh, rest up well and have some fun. Cheers. Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Wade Egan there, hooker for uh, New Zealand Warriors, part of a successful unit that returned home, of course, at the weekend in front of 26,000 of you. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, record ratings on television, I understand, too, uh, for a Sunday afternoon, just uh, absolutely special. Uh, we shall be back uh, very shortly here on SCNZ and giving you a 15-minute warning here. 15-minute warning is $150 in TAB vouchers up for grabs. So get on those phones early. Brian is just waiting. He's waiting, but he's not going to take the calls. He's not going to take the early ones. He's just told me, don't, don't get them too fired up. He said, I will take the calls when it is time, and that will be during the news with Araha at 11.30, but not before, says Brian. He's an old man. He's experienced at this game, and he won't be fooled by you early callers. He's an old, uh, at this game, Araha, I said he's an old man at this game, not an old man. He's experienced. Uh, he's done more, more stump smithies than Smithy has. He knows. We'll be back shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Always a bit of a cross for me, that music, between Hogan's Heroes, uh, remember that, in the old days, and uh, breaking news. And that's what it signifies, breaking news coming into the show. And uh, we always have breaking news through our producer, Logan Swinkles. What's it about? Oh, this is a big one. Coming from our friend of the show, straight off the panel, uh, breaking the news here on Twitter, Ollie Ritchie. This is about the All Black Smithy. Uh, Tupoi Vai uh, has tested positive for COVID-19 and also Sam Whitelock is out this week with uh, delayed concussion symptoms. So that's uh, that's a bit worrying to hear that. Uh, the interesting thing here, though, Smithy, Patrick, Patrick Tuipoloto has been brought into the squad after receiving an exemption from New Zealand Rugby Board to bypass the MPC. So he's coming back and back into the squad. Yeah, there's no, no such thing as rules when you need players back, is there? I mean, we've seen that in the past, but uh, rules are made to, and rules are made to be broken, rules are made to be bent. So, so be it. And uh, if he's available to play, he's fit to play. He's got that All Black experience. Um, you would not uh, begrudge him the opportunity to do, to do so, particularly if he is a serious part of the plans going forward to 2023, because there is quite a bit of young locking talent around, but maybe not to risk. Uh, newbies, uh, again newbies, um, around him. Would he, that mean he would jump ahead of uh, the likes of uh, Josh Lord in terms of pecking order? Um, would Torpolotu go in over the top of him? Perhaps uh, he would. So that would mean either they keep Scott Barrett at six uh, and Torpolotu or someone goes in, or Scott Barrett goes back to lock, which affects the loose forward makeup uh, quite drastically as well. We'll keep our uh, eye on on the developments there uh, as well. number of texts that have come in as well that we'll keep uh, trying to read out for you. Uh, Maggie says, hey, Smithy, my vote goes to the majority of the Australian cricket team. We're talking cricket villains here. Cameron from Cambridge, Wayne Smith, Robbie Deans, Todd Blackadder and Scott Robertson. 
obviously had some bad times in Christchurch, Cameron, at some stage in his life. But however, here we go. Uh, speaking of Camerons, what about uh, Cameron George? Now, Cameron George was uh, on the show last night here on SENZ with uh, Stephen McIver, and uh, they had a good long chat on a number of issues. And I just want to play an excerpt uh, from one of the questions Stephen asked them about biggest regrets he's had during the time um, of COVID and the fact that the Warriors have been away. And here is uh, Cameron George's reply to that. The biggest challenge come about when we agreed to go to Australia. Um, the families weren't allowed to go at the initial stage where the players left to go to Tamworth uh, because the Australian government would only allow the players themselves to come. Mm. And we were promised that the families would come later, about a month after the players left. Mm. So the players left on that proviso and um, that was very clear to us and it was very clear to the players and that was exactly the condition that the players left their families behind on. And then about three or four weeks later, uh, word come through that the, the players' families, if they weren't Australian citizens or residents, uh, they couldn't go to Australia because of the border situation. So that then made us you know, work through one of the biggest and the saddest days that I've had in the job I had to sit down with the players and said, your families can't come for those that aren't eligible to travel into Australia on these conditions. So it was really tough because that's when the players felt let down. They felt that the NRL um, and everybody had promised them though the conditions were coming over to play in the competition on. And when the families couldn't join them, um, you know, it was very sad. It was very difficult and it was really challenging for us all to work through. And as you recall, we had a number of players come back because that was a condition that uh, they went to Australia on. Um, so from that point on, you know, it was really important that we wrapped good welfare support and wellbeing support around the players, and it's been constant up until now. And it hasn't been easy for the players or the staff. You know, you can't forget about the staff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that they're in the background doing all the work as well, and uh, they've suffered just as much as the players. And uh, that's something that I just never want to live through again. And um, it was really difficult to manage that whole experience because of the borders and they were completely out of our control. We just had no control over that. Did you feel like you let the players down? Do you feel like you let the staff down? That that was partially your fault because you couldn't get what you had said was going to happen? 100%. I felt sick to the stomach, mate. I... I I was devastated because it was made clear we will go, but the families come and they joined the players when they got to Terrigal after spending a month in Tamworth on the 28th of May when the uh, competition resumed. And when that failed because of the government restrictions, I felt useless because I couldn't, you know, ask the Australian government to change their mind. Well, I asked, but they just wouldn't change their mind. And I just felt so bad because I'd been a part of the whole negotiations with the players and the leadership group, and this was one key condition, if not the main condition, and it was taken out of our control, and I just was left standing there having to then tell the players that their families couldn't join them, and it was devastating, and that's one part that I'll ever always look back on with great regret. Well, that was uh, his views on that. The other thing that uh, Stephen uh, asked him about, of course, is the search for a new coach and uh, what was the process of going on there? 
I'm, I'm surprised because I asked him many years ago when he was, I think, at Point Chev, I said, "Do you would you want to be an NRA head coach? And he was quite adamant at that point. He said, no way. I won't put the expletive in the middle of what he said, but he said to me, no way. So to see him in a head coaching role is quite intriguing. Uh, are we going to get a surprise? Yeah. Are you going to are you going to employ a development coach or a settled coach, someone that people are aware of? Because you know it, it creates a lot of chatter. It does. Um, <clears throat> we're not in a development phase. Uh, that, let's not forget that we're not rebuilding. Like you have a look at our squad uh, for next year and the signings we've got and all that. We 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 can be winning. There's no problem with that. Uh, so we're not after a development coach per se. But every coach has a responsibility to develop players. That's that's one of the key attributes that you know NRL coaches mm. have. Uh, we'll find the best person uh, that will best suit our, <laughs> our uh, squad that we've got next year, okay. and it will excite our fans because I tell you what, there's, uh, there's, there's, a, there's some good talent out there, and uh, sometimes they just need to be given a go and uh, just uh, watch your space and hopefully we can finalise something, and uh, we're really confident that uh, we've got a couple of good options. Uh, mm, interesting. Which, yeah. Yeah, Smithy. Uh, one one thing there that I didn't include in that clip, but uh, <laughs> McIver got a got a bit of oil there, a uh, bit of mail that potentially Stacey Jones could stay on as the head coach, with the likelihood of perhaps Kevin Campion, who is in the club right now as an ambassador who's helping the players out, would come in as an assistant coach. When uh, McIver did ask Cameron George about that, you could hear. A very uh, audible, sounded like a nervous laughter, uh, in my opinion. So I don't know if, if uh, he's onto something there, but uh, that's definitely one to watch out for. Stephen McIver gets a lot of good oil. Don't you worry about that. He's been around the traps for a long, long time. Uh, he's got a lot of friends and a lot of connections in high places. And uh, if he's uh, if he is uh, thinking about that, or if he's genuinely heard about that, don't write it off. Don't write it off. And uh, a lot will be determined on the mood of this. Um, they will have already noticed uh, a change in the attitude and the and the mood of the Warriors. That's point one. That's the first thing they had to turn around. Stacey Jones will do that with his presence alone. If they can turn around and win some games that they were probably thinking they were going to lose, uh, then that'll add fuel to the fire as well. Uh, don't worry about that. <coughs> so don't. And, and if Kevin Camp, Campion all of a sudden said, "I don't mind uh, being part of this group and working with some of these boys on a one-on-one basis," I wouldn't imagine you'd turn that down in a hurry either. So. Uh, yeah, we'll keep uh, our finger on the pulse of the Warriors as we always do. Uh, a couple of texts that have come in, uh, uh, informative ones as well. Josh Lord is already out injured as well. Goodness me, how many injured players or players not ready to play have they got in that group at the moment? Uh, that might be a more pertinent question. Uh, Smithy Wires, Nisbo not calling much now. Uh, I love him, says Grant in the Tron. Uh, he'll probably love you too as well, Grant. And we all love Nisbo and his commentary. And the good news is he's back this week. He's back next week. Um, and he is also uh, on the plane to South Africa with the All Blacks as well, I'm told. So, yep, don't worry, Nisbo uh, is uh, still around, and you'll hear him from uh, this Saturday onwards. Rightio, here we go. You've had your warning. It is uh, 0800 150 811. Brian is poised. The fingers are ready. He's got the mask off. He's prepared to take your calls. Uh, you can win 150 bucks this morning, or you might not. It might jackpot till 200 tomorrow morning. We'll see how good you are. Logan Swinkles will be the quiz master. He has made the categories. He knows the questions. He knows the answers. Do you? We'll find out very shortly. In the meantime, here's Haraha with the 1131 News.
Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, people, it's time. It's time. There's $150 from the TAB up for grabs, Smithy, after you stumped someone else again. You're on a freaking roll. I love it, mate. Let's just get straight into it. Joining us at the crease, we have first up, Charlie from Geraldine. Come in, mate. G'day, fellas. G'day, Charlie. Um, yeah, a regular trier. I think it's fair to say, Charlie. I uh, don't know how you became, uh, you got pole position there, calling all the way from Geraldine, but I congratulate you on that. Um, and I wish you all the very best because I, I kind of sense that uh, 150 bucks uh, in your TAB account will go down quite nicely. So uh, here we go. Um, let's, uh, get it, let's get straight into it, shall we? Because uh, I can't wait for this. What are the categories today, Logan? Please. Let's shout. Today's topics are netball, soccer, football, and world golf rankings. Take your pick, Charlie. Oh, oh. oh my goodness. <laughs> um, well, I, I can't Google any shit, so world golf rankings would be ideal, but no, we'll go soccer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, I love that honesty, mate. That was, that, was, <laughs> that was awesome of you. All right, here we go. First question. Which MLS team did Ryan Nelson coach from 2013 to 2014? Jesus, I can't even remember which. Um, which did he coach for? Oh, which MLS? That's going to be a shot in the dock. Um, Toronto. That's not quite oh, cut it out. Get, cut it out. Slot, and away it goes. That was a good shot How in the dark. How do you dark. get Toronto? Uh, <laughs> shot in the dark. How do you get Toronto out of all those teams you go for the, the the one that started out of Canada? How do you get that, Charlie? Well, my best mates are in Canada. Oh, God. My son played for Toronto. I was, I was all over that like the proverbial rash. That was oh, just maybe, a stone maybe cold. That, maybe that was it, Smithy. Maybe it's because you <sighs> dropped it a few times on the radio, mate. Oh, Jesus, Charlie. Rightio, <laughs> moving on. Question two. Uh, go Toronto FC. All right, Real Madrid superstar Gareth Bale has agreed to a one-year deal with which Major League Soccer club? Oh, God. Why is it all American soccer? I'm English, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a test. Well, give me your Welshman um, to talk about. Los Angeles? Which one? There's two LA teams. The Los Angeles FC? What? What do you mean there's two? <laughs> That's not complex. Oh, no, oh, right oh, no, no, no. You, you threw out you LA. You know the other one. You threw LA oh. FC out. Oh, yeah, I'm surprised. LA Galaxy, mate. Freaking David Beckham was part is part of that whole thing. Well, he, will, he was, but hey, you're two from two. Well, mate, I'll, I'll lose this one, and the next block will step in and get it, I guess, but never mind. No, there's no other one. That's yours or nobody's today. 150 bucks is going to Geraldine, or it's going nowhere else. I can promise you that. One, this is a last question shootout here, and you are on fire, Charlie. Good luck. Ask me if ask me if England will be India tomorrow. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. They would beat them at football, I reckon. <laughs> hey, at least we know what the uh, 150 would go on. Last question for you, Charlie. I'm sorry, it's it's still around. MLS is just the questions we have. They will expand to 29 teams next season. In which American city will that latest expansion team be based? 
God. This is ridiculous. You've already got 28 teams, and you want me to tell you which is the next team? <laughs> oh, mate, this yes, is a, a random shot in the dark. We'll go with um, City. City yep. will go with um, Minneapolis. One of the worst things I have ever mm. seen done Man, on a yeah, uh, Good guess, though. Smith, Smithy. Over to you. I got I, honestly. I have absolutely no idea. I feel like I'm gifting Charlie 150 bucks here. I'm gonna say Las Vegas because that's one of the gro- growth areas in sport. So I'm gonna say Las Vegas, and I, I don't know why, but that, that would be it for me. They they seem to get new franchises when uh, in all sports around America. Las Vegas for me. One Nevada. of the worst things I have ah. ever seen done on a cricket field. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. That means you get the 150. The correct answer is St. Louis. Oh, St. well, Louis. I wasn't far away. Minneapolis. No, you St. went. Louis and no, you. Yeah, you went too far away, Charlie. But you, you know, you didn't get it. You didn't get it right. But neither did I. I so don't I go. Was in the right don't go. <laughs> don't go. Don't don't, don't, yeah, don't go blowing your trumpet, mate. You've hey, got, you got the money. You've got the money. You've got two out of three. But you are a winner, Charlie. Congratulations, mate. Regular correspondent with the show. Love love hearing from, from you, mate. Um, um, and mate, enjoy the money. Enjoy multi. the money. Let me have your multi again this morning, mate. Uh, okay, yeah, I will. Um, but I'm, I'm not uh, over the moon. The tennis ones I'm happy about. Uh, Cameron Norrie uh, to beat David Goffin in the tennis tonight at Wimbledon, $1.41. Anjabir, and the, she's the highest uh, seated woman left in the draw uh, to beat Marab Buskova at $1.26, and the Chicago White Sox to beat the Minnesota Twins, believe it or not, at $1.80. That's it for the day, Charlie. If you go to that, don't go, don't go the whole 150 just go conservative, mate. You'll still get $3.20 for your dollar. Good luck, mate, and Good congratulations. Mate. Cheers. Cheers, Charlie there. Charlie from Geraldine, and uh, Brian will uh, get all those details. He is the winner. Uh, today and I think uh, have we made a decision too on the chemist warehouse voucher fellas did you make a decision on that yet yeah, yeah we have we're going to go with uh, Tim from Christchurch he's very out Tim and from out very passionate okay. loved it okay good and I think Tim was the guy that changed subjects too because uh, he got moved by a previous caller so there you go Tim congratulations you have won the chemist warehouse voucher and uh, our lads will uh, get in touch with you and uh, get it to you as quick as possible we're going to take a quick break when we come back it's Mount Rushmore time villains in sport looking forward to this summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ It is Mount Rushmore time and today we're talking about villains in sport and this was born, this idea was born for me out of the antics of Nick Kyrgios. Uh, will he be remembered as uh, a bad-tempered brat or will he be remembered as a terrific tennis player? That's the key. So uh, that was the theme of this. Uh, and when we got into it, uh, we realised that Nick Kyrgios is a flea. He's a pimple on the bum of crime and sport, to be fair. Uh, so let's uh, get stuck into it. My, my first one is uh, this fellow... Uh, Trevor Chappell, remember this? He'll be remembered for this. It looks to me as if they're going to bow underarm off the last ball. Rod Marsh is saying no, mate, but I'm sure he's going to bow an underarm delivery. They're going to bow an underarm. We haven't believed it. 
Yep, disappointing finish, all right, um, but it uh, shocked the cricket world. It rocked New Zealand and Australia, and uh, sadly for Trevor Chappell, that will be his legacy. For you, Logan, number one. Yeah, Trevor, I mean, when you think about it, there's just so many uh, so many bad boys and girls in sport to choose from. Uh, Owls are quite different. I, I'm going with, first of all, I'm just going to say it, he was considered the greatest cyclist probably of all time. Now he's probably considered the greatest drug cheat of all time. It's Lance Armstrong. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Was one of those banned substances EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances like testosterone, uh, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. Yeah, that's a, a little telling there, isn't it, Smithy? For years, he threw other cyclists under the bus, and when his career was all done and dusted, he finally admitted it. Yep, he's the epitome of what we're talking about, to, to be fair. My number two, actually, uh, was not a villain, and he didn't um, break any rules as such, but he now will be remembered for what he's doing uh, to golf. He was quite a good player. I mean, he was a great white shark. He didn't win a lot of majors, uh, but he, he did make a really big impression on golf as a player, and now he's making it more as a front man for a breakaway group, which I think will probably end up splitting golf altogether. He'll be remembered for this, the Shark. What about your decision to say yes and to take charge? I took a long time to study the business model that came out. It was presented to me in February of last year, and I didn't make the decision until the end of August. took my time. I studied it. I wanted to break the model to understand what the model was all about. I couldn't break it. I saw the value of what the product was really about for the players, uh, serve the fans, growing the game on a, a global basis. So from there, I said, yes, this is a great platform. Yeah, Greg Norman. Uh, he has. Uh, he will be remembered, I think, as the guy that split golf because it's not going anywhere. This argument. Anyway, uh, moving on to uh, your next one. Yeah, and that's the subject I know you are very passionate about, Smithy. You love your golf. Uh, my next three, man. I've, uh, as you pointed out in the ad break, I've gone for the juggler here. Uh, they're all, they're all not very nice people. Uh, third on my Mount Rushmore, Oscar. Uh, Pistorius, the Blade Runner. Of course, we, we now know him. Uh, we're not known for his track efforts, uh, but the fact that he shot and killed uh, his girlfriend, Reva Stenkamp, it was just such such a horrible story when it when it came to light. Uh, I, I honestly don't even think I need to say more than that. We all know the story, and it's just, even to this day, I mean, he's seeking parole now. Uh, news came out just two days ago about that, and he, he's met with her family, which is just insane to me. But, yeah, he's number three on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, don't like him. Don't like him at all. Um, crazy. That was absolutely crazy. A fit of rage, and that was the end result of that. Uh, this is another crazy one, and uh, she's uh, the only woman uh, in the group of eight that I can see, but uh, she might be on a few people's lists. And a minority sport which hit the headlines for exactly the wrong reasons, and this lady was right in the thick of it. My victory at nationals was unfulfilling without the challenge of skating against Nancy. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am responsible, however, for failing to report things I learned about the assault 
when I returned home from nationals. Many of you will be unable to forgive me for that. It will be difficult to forgive myself. Yeah, I mean, that sounded very genuine, didn't it, Smithy? I mean, there's so many documentaries about this. I, I highly suggest you looking some of them up. My second one here, oh, this is such a sad story. Uh, Aaron Hernandez, he was such a promising player. He played for the uh, New England Patriots there. He was a tight end. But then during the uh, 2013 offseason, he was arrested and charged uh, for the murder of Odin Lloyd, uh, who was he was dating the sister of Hernandez's fiance, so uh, a bit of a close connection there. Uh, and then also adding to that story, Smithy, of course, sadly he committed suicide uh, in, in in a cell. Well, he was ruled a suicide, and then later uh, when he was when he was uh, examined, his body was examined. It was. Uh, discovered that he was suffering uh, from CTE, which is obviously an issue that uh, a lot of NFL players do go through. Uh, and so, yeah, Aaron Hernandez is just, he has to be, it's such a sad story, as I said, Smithy, but for me, he's got to be up there. Interesting. Very, very interesting indeed, uh, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, about my one, by the way, was uh, we didn't actually name her Tonya Harding. You probably realise that. Uh, but yeah, Aaron Hernandez, I followed that on CNN. I thought that was quite an intriguing story. It was something that didn't necessarily need to happen. But uh, who will know? Who will ever know um, if he was uh, badly affected in that regard? But it was uh, it was a very personal thing, close to the family. I think there were drugs involved and all sorts of rubbish. So um, the Hernandez story, very, very sad as well. But you can't go past our uh, number one. We've both got him in common. Oh, I don't even know. I mean, he should be on everyone's list, top four anyway. But what he did and what he got away with is unbelievable. You're covered the scene. Can you describe yeah, it? I, I, it's hard for me to describe it, I'm telling you. I don't think any two people could be um, murdered the way they were without everybody being covered in blood. And of course, I think we've all seen the grisly pictures after. So yeah, I think everything was covered, would have been covered in blood. That of course was, uh, we're talking about OJ Simpson here, Smithy. Uh, with the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Lyle Goldman, a- another thing that's just had so much coverage over the years. Like you, I'm so fascinated by the story. There's an incredible ESPN uh, documentary series about it called Made in America. I highly suggest if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's just the details around this are just staggering. Mm, they are absolutely staggering. Someone's just come in with uh, Hansi Cronier, anyone? Well, Hansi Cronier, match fixer. Uh, so it's certainly um, uh, closer to sport, but when you dig deep, it's what these people will be remembered for. Um, I mean, O.J. Simpson, the juice, was a sporting hero. I mean, he was a standout player in the NFL, an absolute legend of the game with his performance on the field. Can't remember him for that, can you? You simply cannot. Uh, we'll take a break now. It is uh, coming up to uh, 11.54, and we'll just have a minute with uh, Staff before he takes over at midday. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.